opening up Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Joshua chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Uh, from the English Standard Version, it should be appearing on your screen. And there you will find these words. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it uh, to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Uh, for then you will make yourself and your way rather prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord on today in our text uh, from Joshua chapter 1. Uh, encourages us today um, and we'll pull our title for our text today straight from the text it's asked in the text three times um, or it's mentioned in the text three times and our title today will be be strong and courageous being strong and courageous strong and courageous the story of the transition of Joshua into the place of leadership of the nation of Israel provides us with many insights into how to manage and even recognize seasons of change and transitions as God moves in our lives. Joshua's story is simple. He was in a position of serving at the right hand of Moses and helping to guide the people of, and the children of Israel in the right direction as Moses led under God's direction and inspiration. Joshua, having known the oppression of, the Egyptians, of uh, their Egyptian slavery, rose up as one whom Moses could trust. He had successfully spied the promised land for the sake of encouraging the people about its bounty and its challenges. And if you want to hear more about that, we talked about that in our Bible study sessions called Don't Miss the Moment Part 1 and Part 2 a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Joshua had led the people into militaristic battles in order to overcome enemies who would attack them during their sojourn in the wilderness. Joshua was a steadfast and supportive second man to Moses. And God led Moses to pass the mantle of leadership to Joshua um, so that he could then lead the children of Israel into this next season of life. And the reality that was, and the reality was that Joshua was, was exactly who the people needed to be uh, needed in this next phase of their journey into the land of Canaan. But the one question that has always plagued me as I read chap Joshua chapter 1 uh, about this particular passage and about Joshua's transition is how did Joshua handle this major moment of transition in uh, his life? Uh, as you know, we all in the midst of a major transition and a shift of seasons. There was a way we used to do things. Uh, time, uh, uh, times, t time gone past, but now we have to do things in a different way. Now we have to move in a different way, and it calls for us to show up in different ways. And Joshua helps us, uh, and Joshua, God's conversation with Joshua helps us uh, as we look uh, to learn what it takes to manage these seasons of transitions. Because it would seem 
as we read the first few chapters of uh, first few verses rather of chapter one, it could be that God is actually answering some of the internal questions that Joshua has been asking himself following Moses's death. Though he was established, though he was not surprised about the succession as it had been well established over the final period of Moses's life, I would imagine that there was still some apprehension for him, especially when the reality of stepping into the leader's role would become imminent for him. Uh, and perhaps we can see Joshua's concern in openings in the opening statements to him. Remember the very first thing that God says to Joshua in verse one, uh, in verse two, is that Moses, my servant, is dead. This was a needed reminder for Joshua, who was certainly asking himself the questions of how he could feel the humongous footprints that Moses had left behind. Moses' impact and Moses' legacy on the people uh, was not to be shoved aside, but Joshua wasn't locked into being who Moses was. Instead, Joshua could now confidently lead from the authentic position of who Joshua was. And I'm sure that we have faced this point of challenge if we've, as we've asked how to deal with the next season of our lives. We aren't sure what it'll take to step up and fill in in, on the, on, in the new position on our job. We aren't sure what it'll take to be the new spouse or the new parent. We aren't sure how we will manage being the leading voice of our family or our church or our community after a death has taken place. We aren't sure of what things will look like on the other side of the pandemic, but there is one thing that we uh, that is certain is that we can only do it from being our authentic selves. We, we can't be Big Mama or our last boss. We can't be our parents or the last ministry leader. We can't relive previous iterations and versions of our history as a people and as a church. We can't imitate or duplicate. We should take up the work before us and manage it from the position of being who God has created us to be to the best of our ability because just as God told John Joshua, Moses is dead. And so we should embrace the fact that new seasons call for new things and new versions uh, and new ways for us to exist in the world. And it calls for us to be uh, who we are called and created to be for such a time as this. Joshua was also dealing with the question of what is next. Looking at God's response to him, we can assume or surmise rather that Joshua wanted to know, what do I do now? Moses is gone, and here we are on the banks of the Jordan River. The people are looking to me for what to do. What is the next step? What do I do first? How do I approach this? God responds by telling Joshua that he should get the people ready to cross over to the promised land and gives him a verbal map of the land that they are entering into. God gives Joshua the plan, lays out for him the path of what needs to happen next for the people, and now Joshua has been both affirmed by God in verses 1 and 2 and then directed by God in verses 3 through 5. Then it's the question of what's next that can be most perplexing for us in moments of transition especially for those of us who are walking into a new time and season of newness and uncertainty. So often we don't know which way to go or even where to start. And it is here that we should be most intent on considering what the voice of the Lord has to say unto us. In many ways, it is when we are the most open and receptive to what God is doing, but we have no clue on how to approach it. This uh, isn't just true for leaders of household or organizations or ministry leaders or churches, but it is very much 
the reality of our daily lives when we find ourselves in a place and time of uncertainty about anything we should be leaning into the Lord a bit more the reality is that we should live every day looking to God in order to gain the direction we need for our lives every step we take should be guided by God so that we can live in the assurance that Joshua is given in verse number five that every place we step will be given to us when we are moving in step with the spirit of the Lord we are guaranteed that there will be no missteps challenging days will come trying times will happen every day won't be easy but when our lives and our families and our churches and communities are in sync with the spirit of God there won't be a time where we aren't exactly where God wants us to be this I believe is what Joshua was discovering in the text that he was right where the Lord wanted him to be he was right where he was supposed to be yet even in that there can be a great deal of apprehension he could see where they were he could see where they could would end up but the in-between was kind of foggy and cloudy for him and perhaps uh, this notion that brings a it's, it is this notion rather that brings about God's broadest and most intentional response to Joshua in verses 6 through 9 God tells Joshua be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to give to their ancestors be strong and courageous be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you don't turn from it to the right or the left so that you can be successful wherever you go keep it on your lips meditate on it day and night so that you can can do everything that is written in it then you will be prosperous then you will be su successful have I not commanded you be strong and courageous don't be afraid don't be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go as we read verses 6 through 9 we see that they are framed with this particular phrase be strong and courageous in the original language of the text these words are synonyms meaning to be meaning becoming powerful beyond expectation or facing fear uh, or danger without flinching y'all the phrase is shared three times in verse six in verse seven and in verse nine and the repetition of this phrase implies to us that these will be important uh, for Joshua's leadership of the children of Israel God says three times y'all Joshua be strong and courageous and while Joshua is dealing with the apprehension and the questions and the insecurities that come with dealing with these moments of transition God is saying to him I need you to expand your mind and your heart I need you to walk and to live in in the face of your fears without flinching I need you to stand up now and take charge with a deep resolve to follow me where I tell you to go and trust that now um, that, that no matter rather what comes your way I've got your back and perhaps that's what we need to hear in the, in the face of moments of uncertainty and change and transition that are before us. We need to heed the words of God to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Joshua was stepping up to lead a nation and we are in need of strong and courageous folks to step up and lead in our churches and communities. We need some parents to be strong and courageous as they raise their kids. Some uh, spouses to be strong and courageous 
as they move forward in their marriage. We need uh, some community members to be strong and courageous as we reclaim the streets of our city. We need uh, some church folks to be strong and courageous uh, as we fight off the status quo uh, and recommit to the God's vision for the church in the world. We need some strong and courageous Christians on their job and out in the world uh, taking stands for what is right. We need uh, to heed the words of God to Joshua in our everyday lives. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. The reality is that when God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous, God is inviting Joshua into a partnership. God uh, is saying, you be strong and courageous. You, you be strong and have courage and let me handle the rest. Joshua is giving directives following each iteration of strong and courageous uh, in verse 6 through 9 that speak to why and how Joshua can walk in the boldness and the strength and the courage that will be required of him. In these verses, we find even for ourselves the reasons that help us to be strong and courageous. So what do we see in the text uh, today is real simple. I promise you it's not super deep. You probably could figure it out before I get there. But the first thing the text tells us is that we can be strong and courageous because of God's promise. We can be strong and courageous because of God's promise. Uh, note the text in verse number six. God says, be strong and courageous because I will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Y'all check it out here. God tells Joshua what he will be doing. He will be leading the people. And he tells them where they will be going into the land that God is giving to them. Uh, God, God made a promise uh, to the ancestors of the children of Israel. He made, he made a promise uh, to Abraham and promised to Isaac, promised to Jacob about this promised land. He told uh, Abraham back in Genesis, listen, the land that I'm sending you to, your uh, descendants will inhabit this land and they'll be more numerous than the sands on the, sh on the ground or the stars in the sky. This, this is the promised land. Uh, this is the promised land. Uh, he gave the same promise to Isaac and to Jacob, reminding them of what he had told Abraham. And he told Moses this. Remember on the backside of the mountain, uh, Mount Sinai, where Moses was standing before a burn, burning bush, uh, God had told Moses, I'm taking you into the land. I'm taking you to deliver my people so that they can enter into the land that I am giving to them, the land that I promised to give to your four parents and generations before y'all. Uh, God had made promises to Moses and the children of Israel during the Exodus, promises to keep them, promises to preserve them, promises to make sure that their descendants would enter in to the promised land. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, and a whole generation of the children of Israel, though, they didn't see the promise come to pass, but they lived in faith knowing that God would make it happen. But it was realized and it was on the cusp of being realized in our text today with Joshua and this generation of Israelites, a generation that had not known Egyptian slavery, a generation that had done nothing but believed in the Lord, that had been pleasing in the sight of God. They may have murmured a little bit because they learned that from their parents, but now they were ready to move forward in faith. 
uh, because Joshua was leading them uh, in the same way that he stood up when it was time for the spies to give their report. Joshua was in the position of realizing what uh, we like to say are our ancestors' wildest dreams because God is a God that keeps God's promises. You might not see it uh, in this day. You might not see it tomorrow. The promises and the things that God has told you might not be for you for today, but it might be for somebody down the line. But God is a God that keeps God's promises because if God said that God was going to do it, uh, we can take that to the bank. We can guarantee uh, that God is going to keep God's word, that God is going to make sure that you, that God's promise is kept because God is not a man that God would lie. Uh, we're real, realizing the promises of generations before and how we manage God's promises in this season and in this day will impact the generations to come. God has promised to take care of us and provide for us and look out for us and God has told you some specific things about what God needs you to do about where God is taking you God has told us some specific things about what God needs to see happen in our church about what God wants to bring forth through our faith community to benefit and make the world a better place and we have to learn to trust the promises of God because God's promises are going to come to pass the only question is whether we're going to trust God and God's promises. Y'all are the only right answer uh, to the question of whether or not we're going to trust God and God's promises is yes we will trust God. I know you trusted him to heal your body before. You trusted him to make ways for you before. You trusted him uh, to fix your relationships before. You trusted him and God has shown up so many times before in our lives and so now God is calling us to trust the promises that he's made to us promises to never leave us nor forsake us promises that if he would that if we would walk in step with the spirit of God that he would guide that we would be guided right uh, into the place of prosperity and success that if we don't turn from what God has told us to do that God will make our way prosperous and great that God will open up the doors God will send the provision God will add the people God will allow us to have the influence and the impact that we need to have in the world for the kingdom of God uh, but even if we never see the promise come to pass in our generation we can trust God because the promise of God is a yay and amen the promise of God is good for God's word and that's why I like what the hymn writer said that the hymn writer said that we are standing on the promises I cannot fall listening every moment to the spirits call resting in my savior as my all in all I'm standing on the promises of God and that ought to be your declaration today uh, that no matter what comes I'm standing on the promises of God no matter uh, what, what, what no matter what challenges I face I'm standing on the promises of God I know it looks bleak right now but I'm standing on the promises the promises of God uh, we can be strong and courageous because of God's promise but we can also be strong and courageous because of God's power. We can be strong and courageous because of God's power. Check the text in verse 7, verse 8. God says, be strong and very courageous. 
Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law on your lips. Meditate on it uh, day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Uh, here we learn that God is telling Joshua what to do. Uh, he's saying, Joshua, I need you to stick to the script. You, you've already got the script right there. Moses has already been given the script and he's given it to you and I need you to stick to the script. God has given us the given the blueprint for success and the roadmap to prosperity and all Joshua needed to do was to make sure that he did as the script said and he meditated on it day and night he needed to speak it over and over and over so that his faith could be enhanced and his heart could be filled with what God had already told them to do uh, this would preserve him and this would help him as he led the people of Israel this would sustain them and keep them as they move forward Forward to proclaim and to claim the promise that God had given unto them. But that answers the what question and the how question. But what is maybe most important is the why question. Uh, we can go through the motions, y'all, of reading God's word, of meditating on God's word, of reciting God's word. But if we don't believe God's word, nothing is going to change. Yeah, I, I know you've been praying for a long time. You've been reading every day your devotional, but do you believe it? Is it down in your heart uh, success and prosperity uh, wouldn't come for Joshua and the children of Israel by haplessly going through the motions nothing uh, will come of going through the motions of reading and praying and worship in our lives if we are not engaged listen you ought to be going back and listening to the service and singing the songs and listening to the sermon in the Bible study so that you can make sure you got all that God wanted you to get uh, so that you can have it deep down in your heart don't just go through the motions you want to make it a priority in your life you want to open the bible app we can open our bible app on our phone or the bible on our table every day but opening it and reading a couple verses doesn't transform us what transforms us what changes us what brings us back time and time again is not just the word of god but it is the power that is in the word of god the word of god y'all is god's power the word of god is god's power the creation narrative uh, is witness to this in genesis chapter one because it wasn't until god spoke that things started changing it wasn't until god spoke that order came to chaos it wasn't until god spoke that light uh, that 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 light was made present in the world and that the creation came about. We don't know the details of how it happened, but we know that God spoke. We know that when God spoke, there was light. When God spoke, there was separation between day and night. When God spoke, there were ocean and rivers. When God spoke, there were trees and plants. When God spoke, there were birds and bugs and fish and animals. When God spoke, it happened because God's word is God's power. And the words that Joshua was called to meditate on day and night were the re words recorded when God spoke to Moses. God's word is God's power. And because God's 
word is God's power. When we follow God's word, we operate in God's power. Let me say it one more time because I might have said it uh, too fast. When we, God's word is God's power. And when we follow God's word, we operate in God's power. And in a world where everyone wants to have a word on what we do and how we exist in the world, uh, when we got family that want to have a word and friends that want to have a word and government officials that want to have a word and haters that want to have a word and social media that wants to have a word and the news media that wants to have a word in a world where everyone is trying to have a word in our lives we have to make sure that the primary word that is guiding us the primary word that is filling us the primary word that is speaking to us and challenging us and shaping us and transforming us isn't the word from ABC or CNN or MSNBC or Fox News it ain't the word from Big Mama or Grandma or Daddy or Brother or it ain't the word from your best friend your BFF or your boo it's the word of God and we got to make sure that the word we speak and declare is the word of God it can't be words of negativity and words of gossip because we need to speak the word of God because when we're speaking the word of God we're speaking in the power of God because declaring God's word is declaring God's power and that's why I like what Paul was talking about in Ephesians when he said that we should take up the sword of the spirit which is the word of God because the sword y'all is the only offensive weapon in the armor of God meaning that when that every every time the enemy attacks our weapon of choice should be the word of God y'all that's what Jesus did when he was in the desert when he was being tempted by the devil he used the word to defeat the devil and y'all if the word of God was good enough for Jesus it sure enough should be good enough for you and for me and that's why we got to declare the word that no weapon formed against us shall prosper that's why we got to declare the word that we are fearfully and wonderfully made that's why we got to declare the word that God will provide for us according to God's riches and glory that's why we got to declare the word that our latter days shall be better than our former days that's why we got to declare the word that by his stripes we are healed that's why we got to declare the word because when we walk in God's power we are walking by the word walking by the word walking God's power is God's word is God's power y'all we can be strong and courageous I'm done because of God's promise we can be strong and courageous because of God's power and finally we can be strong and courageous because of God's presence check the text in verse 9 God's presence in verse 9 it says uh God says to Joshua God have I not commanded you be strong and courageous do not be afraid do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go it would seem as if these statements by God are one side of a two-sided conversation. I can imagine Joshua talking, maybe even debating with God about the unknown of how the people would react to him as their new leader of Israel and the things that they would face as they cross the river into the land of God's promise. And God responds with a quick parental rebuke saying, I, have I not commanded you? He hit him with the, God hit him with the I, I, right? Have I not commanded you? In other words, I, I'm going to tell you one last time, Joshua, you need to be strong and courageous. Joshua was like many of us who need to know the intimate details of how things will work out. 
But God was pushing Joshua not to focus on the how, but to stand on the who. It wasn't about the challenges that they would face. It was about who would be there with them in the midst of the challenges. It wasn't about how things would get done. It was about who would be there to work things out. It wasn't an issue of how they would conquer and claim the land. It was about who had already claimed the land for them. Uh, Joshua wants to know how, but God is saying to them, uh, God is saying to him and saying to us today, I am the God who will never leave you nor forsake you. I am the God who is with you wherever you go. Uh, There was a three book series that I read some years back by Taylor Branch on America during the King years from 1954 to 1968 and one of the recurring messages of the civil rights movement from the Montgomery bus boycotts to the Birmingham protests to the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma even to the last speech that Dr. King gave in Memphis was the notion of standing tall and standing strong and facing the attacks and the prison time and the challenges that were obstacles in their path with a courage that was bigger than their fears and Reminders that those moments would expand beyond the participants, but would change the course of history. Y'all, there were many times when the how of the movement would go forward was in question. But that was never in question for Dr. King. But what was never in question, rather, for Dr. King and for the group of preachers who largely made up the leadership of the SCLC, the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, was who would be guiding their mission just like God was with Joshua and God was with those marching to churches from uh, churches in the south uh, to, for civil rights God will be with us uh, there is no way that we can accomplish a God-sized vision without God being with us there, there is no way we can manage seasons of transition without God being with us y'all if you want to keep it real there's no way that we can live from day to day uh, in a way that's pleasing to God without losing our minds without going off on some folks uh, without um, without losing everything that we uh, thought that we had and getting outside of our character without God being with us It's the presence of God that gives us strength and courage to move forward, even when we don't feel like going on. God's presence is how we are able to face the doubts and the fears that would otherwise paralyze us and keep us from doing what God has commissioned us to do. The promise of God's presence qualifies us to take on new challenges and responsibilities with strength and with courage. And while sometimes, uh, while we are sometimes more worried and, and weak than strong and courageous, it's God's presence that reassures us. In fact, I know today for a fact that there are some folks that are watching on Facebook and YouTube. There are some folks on the Zoom conference call or on sermon by phone that are shouting right now in their living room, shouting in their seat right now because all they can think about are the things that they faced that were bigger than they could handle. But if it, but because of the presence of God, they made it through. It was the presence of God that kept them through the disease. It was the presence of God that kept them through dysfunctional relationships. It was the presence presence of God that kept them through dangers seen and unseen and when death it was the presence of God that when death should have taken us out we were able to continue to live and experience a sense of resurrection it was the presence of God that was with you as you rebuilt what had been destroyed it was the presence of God that was with you as you were being untethered
attack, being attacked by those who uh, who didn't like you or didn't care about you. Uh, y'all, it's the presence of God that's going to keep us. It's the presence of God that's going to sustain us. It's the presence of God that is within us that is going to hold us together. For we have this treasure in jars of clay to prove that this all-surpassing power uh, comes from God and it's not from us. It's the presence of God that's with us as we move forward in the season of transition, in the season of, of change, in the season of shifting, in the season of repositioning that helps us to prove that God's glory is real, that God's promise is true, and that God's power is everlasting. In the same presence was with the presence of God was with Joshua. It was with Joshua as he took them around the walls of Jericho and yelled and watched the walls come down. It was the presence of God that held up the sun in the sky so that they could win the fight and the battle that day. It was the presence of God that was with David as he stood before the giant Goliath and knocked him down with a slingshot and a smooth stone. It was the presence of God that was with Daniel as he went down into the lion's den and turned hungry lions into pet kitty cats. It was the presence of God that was with the three Hebrew boys. You know Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro as they went into the fiery furnace because they stood on the promise of a God, believing that, uh, that they would not bow before another idol. And so in the fiery furnace, they were thrown into the fire and they ended up walking around and the king looked in and said who is that in there we put in three but look there are four I want to let you know that that was the presence of God it was the presence of God that was with Paul as he was shipwrecked and on broken pieces and kept him to fulfill his mission headed to Rome it was the presence of God you know who I'm gonna call next that was with Jesus from the moment of his baptism when the dove descended down even in the wilderness when he was being tempted and all throughout his ministry as he healed the sick as he raised the dead as he taught the word as he messed up the Pharisees and got them all in a tissue and a fuss it was the presence of God that was with Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane when he wanted to walk away but said nevertheless not my will but thy will be done and yes his God's will led Jesus to a hill called Calvary and God's presence was with him there just like it was with him three days later uh, in an unborrowed tomb where Jesus got up early with all power in his hands and the same presence that was with Joshua the same presence that was with David the same presence that was with Daniel the same presence that was with the Hebrew boys the same presence that was with Paul the same presence that we read about in the Bible uh, with the brothers and sisters of old, the same presence that was with Jesus is the presence of God that's with us today. It's keeping you, it's sustaining you, it's holding you together, it's making ways for you, it's comforting you, and you ought to give God praise right now and say thank you God for your presence being with me. Thank you for your presence. It looks bad, but his presence is right here with you.
It looks hopeless, but his presence is with you. You got some inner struggle and turmoil, but God's presence is with you. You just got to tap into the power. Got to let the spirit get to work. Actually believe that word that you read. Believe that word that you hear. Meditate on it. Turn off the social media feed for a few minutes. Turn off the TV for a little while. Just sit and let the word of God minister to you. To give you what you need so that you can walk into the season that the Lord is calling you into. Get in the presence of God. Because we know in the presence of God there is fullness of joy. In the presence of God there is power. There's refreshing. There's love. You get in the presence of God. Amazing things begin to take place on the inside. They begin to manifest on the outside. And when your life begins to change, then other folks' lives begin to change. And you're able to manage change and transition and uncertainty and instability. You know, with this unmeasured grace, an extra portion of wisdom that allows you to do what the Lord has called you to do. To be who the Lord has called you to be. So be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. For the Lord your God, who has promised you, Lord your God, has given you God's power through God's word. The Lord your God, whose presence is with you wherever you go. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you for, the, for your power. Thank you for your promise. Thank you for your presence. Pray, God, that you would just continue to keep us. God, help us in these moments of transition and uncertainty. God, there's somebody watching today that doesn't know what the next step is. God, I pray today that you amplify your voice in such a way that it is unmistakable for them the direction that they ought to take as you speak to them. God, and I pray that both individually and as a faith community, God, that we would commit ourselves to being strong and courageous, to stepping into who you've created and called us to be. As we move from one year of celebration, uh, 134 years of ministry, as we move from one year to the next year, God, we believe in God that because of your promise, because of your power, because of your presence, that this will be a most incredible and transformative year for our church. That you're going to do some amazing things because we are trusting in your promise, committed to your word, which is your power, committed to resting in your presence and knowing that your presence is here with us. God, we pray now that you would touch someone who is watching today who needs to connect with Jesus Christ in relationship. God, it's our prayer that you would help them to say yes, that you would urge them to say yes, that you would not leave them alone today until they say yes unto you, whether they are seeking a new relationship with you, God, whether they are reconnecting their relationship with you, God, whether they are seeking to connect and plug in with our faith community as you continue to work in the lives of this church to be a blessing in the world, to the world and to extend your kingdom, God. 
we pray that you will not leave them alone until they say yes. God, that you would allow them to type it in the chat, send the email, to make the phone call, to send the Facebook message so that they can get connected and get committed. God, we pray this week for each and every person who's dealing with bereavement and, uh, and, and health challenges and confinement. God, those who are in need of healing and deliverance and protection and provision, God, we're praying right now that you would send your angels of comfort to them wherever they are, that you would open the doors, that you would do what's necessary according to your power, God. We believe you can do all things according to your will, God, and we pray, God, today that your will be done in their lives. God, we pray for various concerns for our education system. We pray for our political system. We pray for our church and for churches that are seeking to do the work of building your kingdom, God, that you would continue to grant us uh, unmatched and unmeasurable favor and unlock for us the resources we need to do what you've called us to do. God, we pray for brothers and sisters across the globe who are in challenging situations from Afghanistan to Haiti, from South America to, to India to Africa. God, we're praying, God, that you would move in powerful ways, Lord God, that you would make known that you are the God of all creation to them, that you care for them and that you love them. God, we pray that as we go into another week, God, that you would keep us, that you would help us to rest in your promise, that you would help us to be strong and courageous, that we would see your hand move powerfully in our lives each and every day. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. It's in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus the Christ we pray. All God's children said, amen and amen.